Welcome to the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We are your hosts, Michael and Lauren Falk. We are physical therapists, athletic trainers, and strength and conditioning coaches at Kinetic Sports Medicine and Performance. We will be talking all things related to athletic performance for Milwaukee area athletes. Sports medicine, performance training, sports nutrition, recovery, and sports coaching. There's a lot of misinformation and myths surrounding athletic performance and injuries. This podcast is designed to bring current, factual, and evidence-based information to Milwaukee area athletes. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. Today I'm joined by Parker Oliver. Parker is a performance coach at BRX Performance in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Originally, Parker's from the Michigan area, previously working at another performance facility before relocating to Milwaukee. Parker has a diverse background and experience working with a wide range of athletes, from youth to professional, baseball players, hockey players, and the list could go on. I'm personally very excited for this episode. I've known Parker for several years now, and we've talked shop frequently in passing, but this will be the longest dedicated time that we've had to sit down and talk in the two years that we've known each other. Yeah. So Parker, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on. I'm excited to talk about training, performance, nutrition, maybe even a little rock climbing. Yeah, I mean, thanks for having me. Let's give the people what they want. <laughs> yes. yeah, absolutely. So um, for starters, I always like to kind of open by learning what got you into performance training and wanting to be a performance coach. <sighs> well, I... I uh, like you said, so I'm originally coming from Michigan. Um, I went and pursued my uh, undergraduate degree at Wayne State, right? So go Warriors! But uh, out of out of that degree, they require an internship, and so part of the exercise science or kinesiology internship there, they they want you to do something for however many hours and. Honestly, I didn't know what I wanted to do at that point. I didn't know that I wanted to be a strength coach, um, but we have kind of like a like a professions exploration class where a bunch of different type of professionals within the industry would come in, just kind of explain what they do, to try and basically recruit you to which kind of internship you want to have. And I remember we had one of our strength coaches um, for the company I'd worked with at the time come in and just he was telling me about his day and what he did and kind of being the premier sports performance um, facility in the metro Detroit area I was like that sounds really cool and at the moment I was thinking more so just small scale like that's how I want to spend my next three to six months as an intern at that place and uh, so I just kind of contacted them reach out had the interview and they felt like I was a good fit in both ways and so they Brought me on as an intern um, for kind of their um, their fall period there, and just like BRX, they were a, a baseball niche um, sports performance facility. They had a big hand in hockey players as well. Uh, in the four in the four years that I was there, that that started to shift, or they became more hockey oriented than baseball. Um, but uh, long story short. Once I got into that, the, the field of coaching and interacting on a day-to-day basis with the athletes and just being in the trenches for however long I was an intern there, I realized that this is actually something that I really enjoy doing. And uh, people always kind of ask me, like, 
oh, what sports did you play growing up? Like, did you get into this because you played sports and yada, yada, yada. And honestly, that's, that's one of my biggest uh, regrets with like, maybe not regrets, but I wish I would have taken sports more seriously <laughs> when I was growing up. And so like I bopped around and like, I always joke around with the guys here, like no one's impressed with my baseball skills here and that's okay. Yeah. You don't come to me for the baseball advice. You come to me because you want to get stronger and that's where my, my strength set and experience and knowledge lies. And so even though I had a, a season or two of playing baseball and then messed around with track and soccer, it's just, I didn't, I didn't stay with one thing long enough, I think, to really like be see if I it. had any potential or really even be good at it. So I'm kind of kind of mediocre when it comes to like most sports. Uh, but the one thing that did stay consistent was my love for the gym. Yeah. So I think a combination of being blessed to get uh, the internship that I did at a facility that was as prestigious as it was, plus the fact that regardless of uh, my inconsistency with sports, it was my consistency of just falling in love with the idea of strength training and fitness that kind of led me to where I am today yeah. now, seven years later. No, I think that's awesome. And I think it's something for um, any of the high school kids that listen to this to hear about. I feel like there's a lot of pressure that's like, you have to know what you want to do um, by the time you go to college. Oh, like, yeah. You know, no. you, you got to know what you're supposed to be. And I think what you said was, like really interesting you just were picking what internship to want to go do and then in that process you found something that you really love but mm -hmm. it's so hard to like sit there if you don't have any idea what a profession actually does and be like i want to do that you know, right if you haven't lived a day in it and know what it's like even for these high school kids you know like this is a big time for juniors they start taking their practice acts and they're getting their college gears turned into like what do you want to do with your life and we hear about it every day on the gym floor everyone's just dumbfounded i have no idea yeah and so like i tell them the same thing i had no idea what i wanted to do until i was a junior dot 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 in college right like i still had no idea i was still figuring out <laughs> as i went and i think that big decisions like that you're never gonna be a hundred percent sure like am i making the right choice you just gotta i always tell people like make the best choice you can in that moment yeah and if it's right it's right if it's wrong it's wrong but you'll figure it out in the long run absolutely i think that's really good advice so Let's uh, shift from life advice and coaching to talking about uh, performance training a little bit. So I know at BRX, um, every athlete starts with an assessment process before they start training. What are some common problems that you find in youth athletes um, at that intake that um, um, and what they've done previously in their training? I think one of the biggest things, regardless of sport, um, and, and let me preface this with by saying, you know, where I coach now at BRX and where I've coached before, we tailor to all athletes. So even though now at BRX we have more of a baseball niche, I think this kind of answer encompasses everybody. And I think it's just the 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 rush to get into the sports-specific training first. I think that everyone's in a hurry to increase their sports-specific metrics, get to the next level, push their performance envelope. How can I... Like people are thinking about how can I maximize recruitment and I'm only a freshman or I'm only in eighth grade. When your first priority, I think at this point, should just be becoming a good athlete. I think people need to focus on being good movers, being good athletes, being proficient at just being able to run from point A to point B and pass the eye test, so <laughs> to speak. Yeah. We don't need to get into your arm slot and your pitching mechanics and yada, 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 RFD testing if you can't make it to point A to point B without tripping. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I mean, that's something that um, we 
talk about a lot too is like especially as a youth athlete there are certain milestones in your development that if you miss you can't ever make up there's certain kind of speed and power development milestones and certain times of your life that you're better able to put on lean body mass and things like that and if you miss that window because you were too busy playing sports to like train and take advantage of it you're you limited your ceiling like Mm -hmm. you can't catch up um we can always take a good athlete and generally speaking teach them to play a sport but it's Mm -hmm. hard to take like a good sport specific athlete and turn them into a yeah uh you know well-rounded athlete and almost builds bad habits along the way i'm yeah. a big believer in don't build strength on dysfunction yeah and i think that's where a lot of people go wrong they just are so pinpoint focused on the one thing i need to be a better track athlete or a better pitcher or yes. more defensively in the goal and it's just okay well let's back up for a second and let's teach good habits yeah and build consistency on that and like i said don't build strength on the dysfunction because, like you said, you're going to limit your ceiling and you're going to have a, a hell of a time working uphill from yeah. here on out. Yeah. Or my other favorite one is, what's what's the best arm care exercise I should be doing? And it's like, well, you can't do a push-up. So <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> before we worry about this arm care like specific yeah. thing, why don't we do a good push-up? <laughs> yeah. No, 100% you know? I agree with that. Okay. No, that's... Um, Excellent. So what are some common misconceptions this may go in the same athlete or same answer that athletes or parents have about the role of performance training in youth athletics now? Yeah, I think I think we're definitely in the same vein in terms of the answer there, but I think the biggest thing is just parents and even coaches just underestimate how important strength training is and how it should be a fundamental stepping stone that's often stepped over on their way to success with sport and this is a big big topic and a point that we'll we'll touch on during our initial assessments with athletes at brx is that majority of the time and and we hear this from parents like we're hearing it firsthand from uh, the the horse's mouth of they're just putting their eggs in the wrong basket kind of like i touched on earlier like okay, my son's a junior, he wants to play uh, college baseball, we just really need to get his metrics up, he's just not where he needs to be, and they're telling me all this rigmarole that they're going through, and pitching coach this, recruiting coach that, and I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and these supplements, and then we go back to, like you said a second ago, and the guy can't do a push-up. So it's like, again, the same idea of strength is important, and spend your time, your dollars, and invest in your development um, as an individual rather than, okay, we need to throw all this money towards a travel academy or recruiting help. It's just people just underestimate how important the simple things are. Yeah. I'm doing the simple things savagely well. I love that. <laughs> I'll be That's... honest. I, I stole that from, uh, Brett, Brett Bartholomew. So yeah, if there's any, uh, strength coaches out there listening, uh, that's, if you don't know who Brett Bartholomew is, you need to, I think, and I'm, I might be totally wrong about that, but that's been my wife's email footer forever, and she so so she stole it from Sue Falzone, who is at Athletes Performance with Brett. So really, I, yeah, do the simple things savagely well. Yeah, so do few things savagely well. That's super cool. So I don't know if it was Brett's or Sue's or someone else or at Parker's. Athletes, I don't know. Or, but yeah, <laughs> but uh, that's really funny. Yeah, that was Lauren's uh, email um, footer for uh, forever. I don't know if it still is. Uh, yeah. Apparently, I should read all the way to the bottom of her, of her emails. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think that's a really good point. And I think it, you bring up an interesting thing about it's almost like 
we need to periodize athletic development a little bit and prioritize different things at different um, places. And it's one of the things that we think about, you know, we work with a lot of youth athletes and um, college professional athletes, and everyone's like impressed that you work with professional athletes and rehab and stuff. It's mm-hmm. like, honestly, they're, I don't treat the high school kids anything like I treat the no, professional at all. players. You know, it, it's a different animal and they have different needs. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, every high school kid shouldn't be doing what the pros are doing. Like, nope. they're at a different... The pros weren't doing what they're doing now when they were in high school. Yep. Um, and so it's kind of thinking about this over the long run based on your goals and trying to make sure you peak at the right times, basically. Mm-hmm. 100%. So we've kind of covered that we think some of these basics are, are really important um, what are maybe the two or three like biggest areas for youth ath- athletes to target for improvement? Uh, from again, from you know, from like strength strength conditioning standpoint, like, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think one to me the biggest thing is the simplest thing, and you don't even need anybody's help with this. Like just kind of look inwardly is the consistency. The biggest thing I see for. I mean, really, this is, is this is isn't even just high school athletes. This is everybody. <laughs> like yeah. whether you're um, in in like a rehab PT setting, whether you're in a performance role, whether you're just generally trying to be fit and healthy uh, as an adult or a youth athlete, just consistency. Too often, we see people who, you know, like the weekend warriors, are like I'll work out when I. There's a difference between training and working out. And in the sector that you and I work in, and probably a lot of your listeners, is we're dealing with a population that is pursuing training, but they're getting it mixed up with working out. And so when we work out, we're just doing it when we feel like it or we have the motivation or when we have the time to do so. And we're doing the things that are fun and that we want to do. Whereas training is... You do it because you know it's good for you or you have to. <laughs> You're on a schedule. It's not always fun. Yeah. It's not always the things you want to do. And sometimes it sucks. Yeah. Like you really don't want to be there. But you know for your development and for the betterment of yourself and your goals, like this is just a stepping stone along the way. And kind of like we said earlier, those fundamentals are often part of that stepping stone. I think that's kind of like number two with the consistency is be consistent in what you do and in those fundamentals. And like... And this is both in a short-term and a long-term sense. Like both get your training in within the week and then also get your training in within the year. Um, we have a lot of year-round athletes and we'll harp on this until we're blue in the face. Those people that are the most consistent see the best results. Yeah. So it's not uncommon that if an athlete comes to me and says, I'm just, or a parent, you know, I'm just not happy with where I'm at. I want more. I'm yearning for what can I do? We just look back at those attendance numbers. It's like, well, you Can didn't. Show up more. You, yeah, you didn't really show up when you said you would, and there's a three month gap where you didn't show up at all. And so, we, I mean, that's just consistently what we see all the time: is people who are consistent in what they do, they do it well. Yeah, uh, overnight success, ten years in the making. <laughs> yes, exactly, ten years in the making. And I think. And I think the last thing I'll kind of add on to that as like a little a sub-tier, like a third category is just finding finding a way to enjoy your training. Somehow getting your mind wrapped around the idea of loving what you're doing. Even though it can suck in the moment, have a why. And hopefully that can somehow get you through those days where you don't have the motivation. Because 
if you're just putting your head through a wall for no reason, I think even the most stubborn people are going to have tough times doing it. But if you can at least see some sort of light at, in the tunnel, it'll make it that much easier to be consistent. Yeah, I agree. I think something that I've found just from personal experience with, with this too, because I mean, you know, like it gets, it gets hard to make time for your own okay. training and goals as you get busy, mm-hmm. you know, working, running a business, those type of things mm-hmm. is trying to get down to why, like, if your why is because, you know, why am I working out? Well, because my parents want me to. Yeah. Like, that motivation to go to the gym is going to go down really quickly. You know, if you can get down to even deeper than, well, I want to be a, I want to be a starter on my team next year. Okay, well, great. Why do you want to do that? Like, mm-hmm. okay, you know, just keep going down that rabbit hole. And then often you get to this key thing of, like, why do you, you know, what's really at the heart? And then that's when it's easier to show up more and you know start prioritizing it things like that um it's something that i found like i did the same thing and for me right now like i've got a two-year-old at home and like one of the things that i realized is like why do i want to do this well i want to set a good example like after i answered all these questions yeah i want to set a good example for my son to like watch the fact that you know dad goes and prioritizes his health and wellness and fitness and that's something that's important so that hopefully he builds those good habits. Right. And it's like, you know, now that's a reason that it's like, when I'm like, I'm tired, I just want to lay on the couch and watch Netflix. It's right. like, yeah. I want to set an example for my son. I'm going to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, you know what I mean? exactly. And I think, I think it's, you know, going back to that kind of like knowing your why or, or, or loving what you're doing. It's, I don't blame the, these youth athletes for not knowing that yet. Like we said earlier, there's so much you're trying to figure out at that age. Yes. Like the importance of strength training is probably pretty low yeah. on their priority list. But that's where the professionals like you and I come in. And being able to bridge that gap of, you tell me this is what you're trying to do. We're going to go through an assessment and figure out how we can help you bridge that gap and why this is important. And that's and that's that's why during a BRX initial assessment, I'm not sure... Your intake process probably looks a little different, but during ours, uh, we get down to the, what is your why? What's your motivating factor? And then I can have all this, this uh, you know, science information and then the X's and O's of coaching, but really what my job is in that hour and a half that I'm with you is how do I get the important information that I want to know, get you to care about it and Figuring out your why, yeah. and if I can, and if I can bridge that gap and get you to see, like, okay, this is why this is important, and I should start training rather than working out, then I think that's a successful assessment, and yeah. my job has been done. No, we we handle the same way. We obviously do a thorough physical assessment as well, but we, like, I want to know what your goal is. Like, yes, you, everyone wants their shoulders to stop hurting, right? But I mean. We can do that in not that great a time, but mm-hmm. why do you care that your shoulder doesn't hurt? You know, what yeah. is it? Is it you can't lift, work out? You can't uh, rock climb? You can't yeah. like what? What matters? And even within that, like, why do you? Why is that thing important to you? Mm-hmm. You know, because once we get that, now we can really lay out a goal. And I know you're going to leave here doing the home exercises that I give you because you know how it's going to help you do that thing that matters. Yeah, and, and like you said, I just can't. Everyone knows, like, yeah, if Michael's telling me to do this, this is important. Like, yeah. 
he knows what he's talking about and like yeah this is gonna be better for my shoulder but that still doesn't mean that patient has that adherence it still doesn't mean they're doing it people understand it's important it's motivating them to actually do the damn thing excuse yes. my language but like <laughs> just that's that's the frustration it's like all right i know you understand how do we get you to actually do it absolutely absolutely okay we obviously both agree that the, <laughs> the why and the motivation is important so let's maybe get just a little bit more specific so as you go and sit down to you know, write a training program for an athlete, and I know it's going to vary based on their age and ability level, but what are some of the core foundations or principles of your um, training philosophy when, when working with uh, team sport athletes? When I think about writing programs, like you said, I mean, we could have a whole series of podcasts on yeah. this. So We we'll, just we'll, did before we, <laughs> we started this. Yeah, pretty, pretty much. Um, but... So I'm over the course of, I don't know, the seven years that I've been doing this, I'm, I'm big on um, not only learning within your field of strength and conditioning, but also looking outwards. Um, and so there's been a lot of influences that kind of where I draw my programming info or knowledge from. Um, and again, I think it depends on what my objective is or rather what the athlete's objective is. But a lot of big names that really kind of influence my, my overall um, kind of foundation of where I kind of pull my strategies from is like Mark Ripito with starting strength out mm. in, I think he's in Oklahoma. It can't, sounds right. Yes. It's something yeah. like, uh, over there. And, but, um, anyways, Mark Ripito kind of like the, the father of the five by five, yeah. uh, program three by five. And so he has a, he has a great book called practical programming. So I was just talking to one of our interns the other day and she was lamenting about how that's just the one thing that she just really needs to get better at is she just doesn't understand programming principles. And I'm telling you right now, Mark Ripito, get his uh, practical strength programming book. It's awesome. It's It talks about several different philosophies, why we're doing things, the general adaptation cycle. Just helps you understand, like, what am I chasing as a strength yeah. coach or a fitness professional of the adaptations I want from, from my athletes and my clients. Boyle, Mike Boyle. I yeah. think most of your listeners hopefully know who Mike Boyle is if they're a fitness professional and he's someone I draw to regarding more so youth athletes. Um, he believes a lot in volume style training, not maybe in like a German volume kind of way. Yeah. And I know for some people this might be kind of going over their head, but just the idea of building up um, volume over time because we know for youth athletes, they're going to need a lot of reps. They're going to need to get that motor patterning. They just need to spend time in the trenches, so to speak. So they're not necessarily going to be... They they don't know what their max strength is. They don't have a max strength. Every time they go into the gym, they have a new max strength. Exactly. So it's not like we're going to be doing a Mark Ripito 5x5 for a youth athlete. It's more so going to be... I want him to be squatting as many times as I can in a week so he gets good at squatting within yes. safe reason, obviously. Um, and that's kind of the same idea where... I can never remember how to say his last name correctly. I think it's Zach Deacon yeah. over at LSU. Yeah. Um, he's a big guy who believes in that same thing of um, his 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 book, uh, Movement Over Maxes. Yeah. Um, he also kind of subscribes to that don't build strength on dysfunction philosophy. And the same idea of when we're trying to build these fundamental or gross movement patterns, whether it be squat, lunge, hinge, push, pull, carry, you should be doing those in, as often as you can. Yeah. Especially... I think that becomes more important the younger athlete gets, which also I think has a direct correlation with how often they train. 
I think the older guys who take it seriously, it's not uncommon than be in the gym three to five times a week. A lot of times, by nature of them being an adolescent, they can't get they can't drive the yep. gym. They don't control their own schedule. So I see them once or twice a week. So when they're here, it's how can I get you to do everything I need you to do and get a lot of good quality reps in. Exactly. Um, last two I think would be who me to mention are obviously triphasic training. I think that again, kind of different ends of the spectrum. This is something I'm not necessarily doing with a youth athletes, but more so the experienced guys. Start to take them in some sort of of a triphasic phase. Um, was that Cal Dietz, yep. um, who kind of was the pioneer on that? Um, so for those more experienced athletes, once they kind of go through um, a general adaptation phase, they move well, they have a baseline of strength, maybe we've dabbled with some power, we can start to get into some triphasic development. And last but not least, uh, speed and power, um, Lee Taft, he, he was yeah. the big guy. I know he um, he does a lot with Eric Cressy. So obviously being in a, a baseball facility, Eric Cressy is the guy. He's the yeah. guy who pioneered uh, baseball strength training for the most industry, people. Yeah. for most people. And so he, from what I understand, is also, Lee Taft is also on the East Coast. Uh, with Eric and so Lee Taff is known as quote unquote the speed guy um, so him and Franz Bosch who you kind of have like Lee Taff puts it in the really everyone can understand and then Franz Bosch like no one can understand <laughs> but he still knows what he's talking about yes. and so I just try to find somewhere in the middle yeah. to kind of draw my inference from no that's uh that's very thorough I think those are for any any um, student or strength coach that's interested in learning more about those those are definitely some essentials um, and resources that you could learn a lot from and whether you read them cover to cover or have them on the bookshelf to uh to pull off and and reference as needed yeah um really good really good starting point for your library yeah that was one that was one question that i wanted to make sure i prepared for so i can make <laughs> like all my interns listen to this and all like future coaches like if you're looking for just things to read within within this realm um anything mike boyle puts out is great um mark ripito starting strength um, Zach Deacon, Movement Over Maxes, Cal Dietz, Triphasic Training, and then Lee Taft. He has a series, um, a part of his athlete acceleration um, program. That's yeah. just awesome. Yeah, I think those are those are definitely good good starting points. So, I think that being a strength coach has two parts. There's the programming writing part, which we just kind of covered and talked about. Obviously, it's important. Um, it's kind of the key element of, if you will, of what you're trying to do. But um, I think the thing that is as important, if not more important, are the soft skills of actually working with human beings and yeah. and coaching them. Um, something that I've enjoyed kind of watching you over the last couple of years on the floor. Um, and I think you're, you're excellent at it. And I've learned things just from observing. Um, but can you talk about your approach when you're working with athletes on the actual training floor and you know, why is it important for them to have a coach around? Yeah. No, I love this question. Um, part of part of my role at BRX is the development of staff and interns. And although I think we can all get really geeky about the X's and O's and strike training and like, I love that. And you, to a certain extent, you got to understand a lot of that to be able yeah. to do this job. I think the soft skills are something I'm more shifting towards that I'm really interested in and how to develop and cultivate those both within developing coaches but then also developing athletes yeah and i think the, the probably the simplest most the best way i can 
zoom out, or rather just simplify it, is listen first, coach second. Right? And we go back to that idea of what's your why, what are your goals? Listen first, and then react off of that. And you'd be surprised what you can figure out about people when you just listen to them, Yeah. right? Um, who, who is it? Um, who is it that wrote the How to Influence Friends and, uh, and Carnegie? Yeah, Dale yeah. Carnegie, right? He says people are inherently um, uh, self-centered. I think he uses yeah. a, a different term, but people like talking about themselves. And so, if you want to, what he says, quote unquote, get that second date, ask about them yes. and their interests, not about you. It shouldn't be about look how interesting or cool I am. It's tell me about what you're into, what you love, or why I should be interested in you yeah. and people just won't stop shutting up about it. I know. It's kind of what this podcast is. You're just making me talk about myself. That's why I won't shut up, right? <laughs> I think that I think that book should just be required reading for I think the world would be a better place if I, if I really yeah, I really do. I'm big into the idea of like required reading for our interns at here at Brax and I think that one would definitely be at the top of my list. Yeah. But yeah, listen first and I say this at the beginning of every internship cycle of no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. And so you can flex and use whatever big words you want and try and combat that imposter syndrome that I think a lot of us go through at some point in our developing careers of, you know, take me seriously. This is what I know, but no one cares unless they realize that you're in it for their benefit. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, and people appreciate you putting things and, language that they can understand mm-hmm. um i think that's something that we work with on um, a lot of our um students too is like we're not treating a shoulder like we're treating the human being whose shoulder hurts yes. you know yeah and um pain in our situation and performance in yours is is complex and it's multifactorial like that program that you just wrote is a worthless piece of paper unless that athlete comes in consistently and does it with good intent. You right. Know? Otherwise, we might as well just like light that thing on fire because yeah. that's about as, <laughs> yeah. as much as it's good for Right. Um, and unless you can connect with that individual and mm-hmm. explain it to them why these things matter and, and relate it to something that they care about, like they don't care that their one rep max goes up or that they can lift their shoulder into this range with this strength they care that now they're hitting the baseball harder or running faster or something like that. You mm-hmm. know, and tying those things together is like so important. Yeah, and this is kind of said in other words. I, I learned this from one of our adult clients uh, about a year or so ago. They said, um, everybody's a human first and an athlete second. Yeah. So just treat people as they are, as yeah. humans. Yeah. Listen to them, build those relationships, and I think everything else will start to fall into place. Exactly. Have you read, uh, since we've already talked about Brett Bartholomew once, have you read Conscious Coaching? Oh, yeah. Great yeah. book. Yeah. That, awesome. That should be, that's another required uh, reading for any student, physical therapist, strength coach, yeah, um, whoever. Um, really, really good guide to some of these, starting to understand some of these soft skills and how to connect with people in, in this environment. Yeah. For, I think, just that section um, where he talks about the different personality archetypes mm-hmm. is just gold. And yeah. even if you don't read the whole book, just read that maybe 80 pages or so 
Um, in short, for some the people who haven't read it, basically, I think he has probably like 10 to 15 different archetypes of people who typically present in this way in terms of a personality. Here's how to handle them. Here's how to speak to them. And here's how to get to their level yeah. and kind of build that rapport or that connection. Yeah. And that each of those archetypes also have pros and cons. And then how to play to their strengths yeah. or their weaknesses. And if you if you have any type of experience working with people, you're going to be reading those and be like, that's so-and-so, and this one is... Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah. It just like clicks. You're like, 100%, that's it's right. It's almost like a game. Like, which one are you? Yes, exactly. Okay, I think that was, uh, that was really interesting, and um, I think those two questions, I loved it, kind of covering both both sides and really the whole, whole role of this field and the type of job. Um, let's dive a little bit more specifically into the training side again. I know you've done some work at BRX putting together... Um, kind of the an updated speed speed curriculum. What are some key aspects of your approach as it relates to speed development in athletes? So, uh, big topic here, and you know you could go down the the rabbit hole of linear speed or multi-directional speed, but I'm just going to talk about it just from like a broad perspective, yeah, right? Perfect. So we we kind of had this idea earlier at the beginning of the podcast of getting the fundamentals right, passing the eye test, yeah. so to speak. And so I think that's the first thing. And this is something that I like to assess on the intake of a new athlete, whether you're 12 or whether you're 22. I don't know anything about you. So do you have coordination, rhythm, and timing? Do you have those fundamentals figured out? And if we do, cool. We check that box and we move on. But if we don't, this is very low-hanging fruit of like, okay, we need to address this. Um, once someone kind of has that in their, in their toolbox, so to speak, I really look towards um, just hitting the simple things first. I think it's really fun and it's really exciting to do the complicated stuff and get into the weeds and the minutia of speed training and shin angles and force production and things like that. But oftentimes, tell me if you agree, 95% of the time, people just don't need that. Yeah, I, I think that there are certain key positions that mm-hmm. they need to be able to hold and control right. to in order to be fast, but if you start talking about shin angles with the kids, they're going to lose you anyways. You right, know? <laughs> exactly. And so it's coming up with ways that, you know, I think I'm working on improving their forward lean, shin angle, mm-hmm. what have you. They think they're doing a jump variation. Right, you know, exactly. Not even thinking about it. And that's okay. Like, yeah. they don't need to know. Exactly. And, like, sometimes there's a constant battle of, like, all right, you don't need to explain this as it actually is just keep it simple yeah and so that's generally where the next step is for me in my programming is like you said holding certain positions motor patterning basically i'm a big believer in when we're chasing speed development regardless of what type it's going to be you're going to have a a hell of a time trying to teach whoever anything when they're moving at 12 miles an hour so i'm a big fan of stationary drills um, things that require wall assistance for example of here's what this position feels like get comfortable because this is like your new home base like this is your new relative safe zone like i want you to be as comfortable and as strong as you can in this position i want you to get as many reps as you can per day and just build that pattern so it's unconsciously a habit that you don't have to think about yeah i think that's i agree i mean i stay off twitter as much as possible but it's a it's an angry world out there but yeah. you know i think people get 
so caught up in like, well, doing that wall drill is not going to make anyone faster. And it's like, yeah, I'm not going to disagree with you. If all you did is that wall drill, yeah, they're not going to get faster. <laughs> exactly. But like, if I do it because it makes it easier to coach when they are running fast, like, hey, you remember that feeling? Like, you're Ex- not doing it right yeah, now. <laughs> like, exactly. And I think that's the biggest thing uh, is that feeling. Because that's, that's what I'm chasing. I really think that the way... And I'm just speaking for myself. I really feel like the way that I approach speed development is very different than strength development in terms of my my language and my cueing and how I'm interacting with the athlete. And that feeling is everything. And that's really what it comes down to when we talk about slowing things down and doing these simple wall drills that in a vacuum aren't going to make anybody faster. But you achieve the feeling and then you can draw on that feeling or that schema later. We're in the actual drills where people on Twitter would say, yeah, this is going to make somebody faster, (laughs) right? I just, I don't know why in training and physical therapy now it's like you, you have to choose. Like you're either, you either like do drills or you don't, but you, God forbid that you do (laughs) drills and you have people actually run fast. Like, (laughs) right. It's it's violating some law. Um, No, I, I agree. And I think, I mean, the other piece of it is that it's great to run I mean, everything that we do in the gym is an approximation of the athlete's actual sport. And at the end of the day, like, um, any speed, any speed that we do, even if they are running like a true 10, 20, 30 meter dash, um, that's still going to be different than them running their 60 yards around the bases or Mm -hmm. their, um, you know, running a, a route in a, in a game, like, we can't perfectly approximate their sport anyway. So right. we're working on things with the goal of transferring and that the goal that they can take those skills out into the practice field, out into their environment yep. and use them in their sport effectively. Right. I mean, barring somebody who's a powerlifter, my job is not to get you to become a professional weightlifter. Right. It's to become a professional whatever, baseball player, hockey player, and then take these skills that you're practicing in this environment and use them. Have that feel. Again, that wall drill that we keep going back to, that's the very first stepping stone. And I kind of view that as the crutch that we slowly wean you off of into the more sports-specific drill. Okay, this is starting to look like running, and now we're running. But you've maintained that feel that we've established the entire way. That's perfect. You would, uh, for giving other resources, something that I've been almost done with now, kind of been doing for the last month or so here is, um, I don't know if you've heard of Altus before. Oh um, yeah. Huge. Yeah, if we're talking so about. They're a, a need for speed course and for team sport athletes. Um, it's been, it's really good. Um, you kind of being a philosophical, philosophical guy, like, yeah. like myself would really, really enjoy it. So yeah, I don't think I've heard of that need for that need for speed program, but I definitely want to check it out. Um, one thing I did want to mention on this, because this is something that I try to include every intern cycle here that I just want more people to hear is, again, I talked about like how I'm interacting with athletes differently when I'm on the turf coaching them in a speed setting. I think the, I think we need to make sure we're the cueing and the instruction that we give is more playful. I think it needs to be conversational. I know that you and I have kind of talked about this a little bit. It's less of a dictatorship like, hey, I need you to do this with your hips yeah. or shift your weight here or move your elbow here. It's more so, how did that feel to you? Yeah. And tell me about what that rep felt like. Right. And I'm big on, I want to hear their opinions first before I give mine. Because yeah. as we know, and kind of what the whole point of this is, whenever we give cues, that's going to influence their behavior. 
And now we also have this third factor of if someone's doing a time 20 yard sprint, they could they could be in a terrible position. They botched the whole point of this drill, but then they look at their time and for whatever reason, it was like the best time. So like, yeah. okay, that's it. That's what I'm trying to do. And it's like, no, <laughs> no. Yeah. And so I want to ask you how that felt and play off that feel and have my cues then kind of reinforce what I want them to feel and hopefully yeah. they can draw their conclusions from that. Yeah. And so, okay, did that feel like a good one? Yes, no, what did you feel? I kind of felt like I was falling forward at the start. Well, that's what we're starting. I want you to start feeling that because today we're working on shin angle acceleration. Yes. So I'm gonna, I'm not gonna necessarily tell them in the situation maybe I want you to do X, Y, and Z, but I say, that's what we're chasing, that feel of falling forward. Let's continue to explore that. Yeah. And they can come to a conclusion of how they kind of dial that in and make that feel really good. Yeah, I agree. And I think you hit on a couple of things that are awesome with that. Not to keep hitting the nail too many times on the head, but um, with the feel, I think it does two things. And it one is like, as a coach, you can't go out on the field with the player eventually. Mm-hmm. Like you can't run around with them in the game and be like, extend your hip more. Extend, <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? And so getting them to tie into stuff and then using their language back to them because sometimes it looks really good and you're like, well. What did you feel there? Like, I, that rep looked awesome. And they're like, I felt my, whatever, my right arm do this. Yeah. And you're like, all right, cool. We're going yeah. to focus on that right arm position. And exactly. Really, you know? Yeah. Um, I think that really helps. Um, and I loved what you said about, especially with speed, it's so complex. And quite frankly, most of the time, you're going to find 15 things that you could work on to improve on each kid. And it's like, just pick one thing a day or a week yeah. or a cycle that Honestly. you're going to work on and mm-hmm. just let everything else go. <laughs> just right. Like just accept it. Just kind of close your eyes. Don't watch it. Just yeah. focus on that one thing um, and start there. And for the young coaches, they say that all the time. I'll be working with an athlete and like, well, don't you think his hand should be here? Yes. Like he needs to work <laughs> on that. But like one thing at a time. Yeah. Today we're working on shin angle. <laughs> yeah. We're just it's okay to have some bad reps assuming that it's in a safe environment that nothing truly bad is actually going to happen. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's great. I think it's really good philosophy. Okay, last little area I want to dive in and then I'll let you go. I know you have a busy day in front of you. So um, nutrition. Um, oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> from my experience, it's a pretty low-hanging fruit with most high school and college athletes and honestly, even with a lot of the professional athletes we worked with, I know that nutrition has been something that you've gotten very interested in. Um, you know, I think you have been for a while, but I've noticed more and more even recently that's been an interest. So what's kind of led to your interest in nutrition um, and kind of what's your, how do you interact with athletes surrounding that? Um, I think short answer is I've kind of been forced to think about my nutrition. Um, again, kind of backstory about me is since I was 16, I've been a type one diabetic and since I was 17, I've had celiac disease, which is just a fancy word for I don't eat gluten. Mm-hmm. So just I'm not just following the new latest trend. Like my body literally just says like, nah, dude, don't do this. <laughs> so, um, so that's kind of forced me to take my nutrition more seriously. And in a weird way, I'm glad it did because I think I would be a totally different person if those two things weren't at play because I love food <laughs> and I'm not gonna, and I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and pretend to sit on a pedestal and act that I'm perfect. Um, everybody has their days. I think that's one of the kind of biggest lessons that people 
One of the biggest barriers when people first start to think about nutrition is this is going to be a huge lifestyle change and I got to be perfect. And no, it's not about that. Um, everything in moderation, I think that's like the simple advice, right? Yeah. And again, this kind of goes back to like what we were talking about earlier. Everyone knows that like pop isn't good for you. Everyone knows that like you probably shouldn't like have a bowl of sugar after dinner or for breakfast. Like, but it doesn't mean they're going to change that behavior. So it's just building good habits, I think, is where most people need to start. And really the things that I think the tipping point for people with nutrition is people don't realize how good you can feel once you actually do get on some sort of habit or kind of start to put your attention towards this. Just like people don't know what they don't know. People don't know how good you can actually feel once you start getting more sleep, drinking more water, and even just a the littlest of effort into what you put in your mouth. Yeah. And I think if people can feel that difference, I think that's going to be their why or their motivating factor. But until then. Yeah. Yeah. Barking up the wrong tree. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Guess I better get more supplements. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Again, if, uh, back to the, like, what's my best arm care drill. If you can't do a push up, it's kind of the same thing with like performance. Like well, what's the best training program. If you don't eat enough, don't, sleep right. at night don't drink water during the day and just pound soda like exactly you can't out train that <laughs> right i mean and the topic of nutrition here i mean as a baseball facility the one of the biggest questions we get is why don't i pitch harder right well tommy you're about a buck 30 soaking wet and you could hide <laughs> behind a stop sign like we need to add more mass to your ass and like what'd you have for breakfast this morning nothing yeah. okay <laughs> this is step <laughs> one the biggest problem is you're just not having breakfast yes and so you don't need more supplements you don't need yet yeah, we don't need to make it complicated i don't need you to have four ounces of chicken three cups of brown rice and two leafy greens every day for dinner just eat breakfast dude yeah. no but i mean it's it's true and i mean you just don't see let's use baseball as the example like i'm not gonna say you never see it there are the like scrawny guys that are just athletic freaks that can still throw a hundred but yeah you look at most of the guys that are throwing that hard like big thick tree stumps of mm-hmm. lower bodies that um, generate a ton of force and can exert that onto the baseball yeah um, you don't see a lot of you know tiny little stick legs out in the oh. big leagues throwing, uh-huh. throwing absolute gas so more mass on your gas or more mass in your ass equals gas yeah there That's what you we go. usually say there you go all right uh we'll uh stop diving into the down into the details and let's get to everyone's favorite part we'll do a quick lightning round so people cool. can get to know you a little bit more all right okay so um for those that don't know parker is a big rock climber oh, yeah. so where has been the favorite place that you've gone to climb uh, probably Red River Gorge, Kentucky. That's just, uh, for people who climb, that's like the spot in the United States. There's several iconic spots, but people who travel all over, all over the world to go to Red River Gorge, Kentucky, take them multiple trips there. Just a lot of good memories, friends, good times, good sins. That's, uh, that's great. What, what got you into like, cause you, you climb with ropes and stuff, but then you yep. do some like free climbing. I watched some of your Instagram pictures and videos. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, you are crazy. So, <laughs> how did this? How did this start? Um, honestly, uh, me and my buddy went to a rock climbing gym back in Michigan one day on just like a Saturday afternoon. We just thought like this would be cool. 
we kind of had an affinity for it. Like we thought, all right, let's go a couple more times. And then it's funny. I remember it like it was yesterday. There's just this one day where I, maybe it was like the first time I entered that flow state, but like, I just like finished a route and I'm like, wow, I feel like I could actually be really good at this. And like, <laughs> I actually really enjoy this. And from there I was hooked. That's awesome. Um, okay. Since I know we were talking about nutrition and food, favorite, uh, restaurant in the Milwaukee area. Uh, favorite restaurant in Milwaukee area, probably Double B's Barbecue. I mean, I'm biased. It's a good call. It's a good call. Um, and then what about uh, favorite or either favorite recipe or best meal prep trick at home? Uh, do it ahead of time and make a bunch of it because, again, just do yourself a favor. You're not going to cook a big breakfast in the morning. Make it ahead of time. You're tired after a long day of work. You're not going to cook a gourmet meal. Make it ahead of time. That's excellent. All right, Parker, thank you very much for coming on today. Um, you want to share a little bit more about where our listeners could learn more about you and what you're doing? Yeah, I mean, uh, come find me at BRX. I'm on the gym floor <laughs> uh, full time. Um, and then if you want to follow me on Instagram to check out all my rock climbing adventures, because that's kind of exclusively what I post about on there. Um, I think my tag currently is Chef P. Oliver. Goes kind of back and forth between that and Coach P. Oliver, but I think that's where we're at, Chef P. Oliver. Okay. So. Right, great. We will uh, get that in the show notes. Thanks again for your time, and thanks you to everyone for listening. If you enjoyed this show, we'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review, uh, comment, or share it with a friend or teammate who would benefit. Your support, me- support means a lot to us, and it will really help us spread this information to more athletes who would benefit. So thank you for listening, and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode and learned something new that will help you achieve your goals. If you did, we would love for you to head over to Instagram and search MKE Sports Podcast. Like, follow, or comment on today's episode. If you have questions, comments, topics, or guest suggestions, reach out through that Instagram account. Your feedback will help us make this podcast as relevant and informative as possible. If you have additional time, we'd appreciate your help in spreading this information. If you could head over to iTunes and leave us a rating and review, it will help us spread the word to more athletes in the greater Milwaukee area. Have a great day, and we will see you next time.